0: Let's give God another round of applause because He definitely deserves it. Amen? So several things were uh, running through my mind as I was enjoying worship this morning, and that is that God is faithful. We know that. And we're going to talk about that again this morning, that God is faithful. And God's character does not change. God does not change. So God will always be faithful. Now here's how we know that people believe it. Here's how we know. Because our behavior changes to reflect the behavior of God. That's how we know that we believe that God will always be faithful because we will change ourselves. Uh, Well, we will allow the Holy Spirit to change us as well. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, we talked about... How God is faithful in the age of the patriarchs, right? Abraham. Um, When they went down into Egypt, how God was faithful and He brought them out of Egypt and brought them to the Holy Land. Last week, uh, Jeff talked about how God is faithful in life after death. How that that life doesn't stop just when this body stops. Life continues because God created us in that image. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom years. How God was faithful through all of that so please join me in prayer Uh, heavenly father i thank you so much for your word and i thank you for your holy spirit which reminds us of your word and i thank you lord for how your son jesus has always set the example we don't need to worry about how to live our lives because you share with us in your word how to live our lives your holy spirit convicts us and tells us what's the right way, and You, Lord God, lived it. And if we would just listen to those examples and Your Word, then we would know exactly what to do. And that is my prayer this morning, that we can do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I tried to follow Jeff's example last week and create a bulletin for you because I have this tendency of not using one Scripture but about two dozen Scriptures. So I wrote them down in your bulletin. So if you have a bulletin, that's it. That's the list of what we're going down today. And if you want to take notes, uh, feel free to just uh, Put it in the empty lines next to it. I also found that I am not very good at working with Microsoft Office and Microsoft do- documents. Uh, how that, as I was trying to change this document to make it the way it wanted to, uh, there was a lot of testing of my faith and of my testimony. Um, so, and it's not Microsoft's fault that I can't figure out how it's supposed to be done, it has everything to do with my own ineptitude. But uh, somehow we got that there, and you can feel free to write on it. So now here's another set of good news. Good news is that we're going to start at the beginning part of the Bible, and we're going to work our way forward. So uh, you don't have to worry about flipping back and forth too much this morning. So we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Uh, we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 33. I'm going to do probably most of the reading for you this morning. I hope you don't mind. Uh, You don't have to pronounce things the way I do. I just wanted to let you know that, uh, so that way we work together to get this done. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. So we left off with Moses being on the far side of the river Jordan. And because Moses made mistakes too, God God didn't hold him any higher than any of the other people of the Israelite nation. He said, because of your boo-boo, you're going to die on this side of the River Jordan. So he has some last words that he wants to share with um, the tribes. And here is his blessing. Chapter 33, verses 1-5. through This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. He said... "'The Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. "'He shone forth from Mount Paran. "'He came with myriads of holy ones from the south from His mountain slopes. "'Surely it is you who love the people. "'All the holy ones are in your hand.' all at your feet they all bow down and from you receive instruction the law that moses gave us the possession of the assembly of jacob he was king over jeshurun when the leaders of the people assembled along all among all the tribes of israel so who was the king of the israelites when he led them out of egypt god was god is the king i am king of kings lord of lords right so now we're going to start to see some things changing because the children of Israel, when they come into the, to the promised land, they're going to look around and start comparing themselves with other people. Let's go ahead and move forward to Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read verses 6 through 13. Joshua chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river." Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites... Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now it's one thing to see a miracle of God Right? It's another thing to predict it. Oh man, you will know that God is with you when you make a prediction and it happens. I highly suggest you don't do that if God has not told you something in advance because it makes you look silly. Right? But that's what Joshua did. So he told those men to go out into the, the River Jordan. Now I have not been to the River Jordan. Anybody been to the River Jordan? Okay. It's It's pretty deep at this point, right? And and, um, it's believed that during this time of the year, it was also in flood stage, which means it was really deep at this point. Walking out into a river during flood stage, bad idea, right? Uh, When I was working for the city of Grants Pass, uh, we had uh, a flood that was going down the Rogue River. And I remember I just happened to be standing out in the backyard looking out over the river, and I saw a huge stag jump out into the river he was going to try and swim across. He was gone. I didn't see him pop up again. So, you know, crossing a, a swollen river like that can be hazardous to your health. But what happened? We know the story. What happened exactly when God said, I want you to do this? What happened when they stepped out in there? The Jordan River stopped flowing. It just stood up in a heap. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing to say and to see and to have happen. And so, it is also an, a typology, a symbol of baptism. Okay. All of your past, okay, piles up in a heap. But guess what? You walk safely into the promised land for God. It has that kind of meaning as well. Now, let's move forward to Joshua chapter six. Let's read verses 20 and 21. Because this is the story of Jericho. The first city they come across. And God had them do some pretty crazy things. Walk around the city. And on the seventh day, walk around the city and blow your trumpets. So here in verse 20, this is how God was faithful yet again. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed so that everyone charged straight in. And they took the city. And they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I've heard people tell me in the past, well, it sounds like God isn't a very nice guy. Think of all those people inside that city. What a horrible thing to have happen. Trust me, they knew He was coming, and they were warned. They did not have to stay, but they chose to stay. God lets us choose But He is the one who determines the consequences of our actions. That is definitely very true. But God was faithful. He delivered that city in their hands. Now let's go to Joshua chapter 23. By the way, folks, there's a lot of examples today. And if you get weary, hang in there. Uh, A lot of examples of how God is faithful. um, And we're going to just keep on moving. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Okay, Joshua's getting ready to die. He says to the children of Israel, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that no one of all the good no not one of all the good promises the Lord your God has given you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. That was Joshua before he passed away. Now, the children of Israel entered into the Promised Land, and God delivered every single one of their enemies to them. These guys were bad. These were bad, bad Leroy Browns. These were huge people. Okay? You know, the, the story you hear about the, the giants, um, come on, David and Goliath, the, yeah, the Goliath was just one. Okay, there were quite a few people in that area that had that genetic makeup. They were huge guys. So here we have the Jewish people, okay, which can be tall, but you know, sometimes they're not, going up against huge people. It was obvious that the only way they were going to be successful was to have God drive them out ahead of them, and they did. So now things changed. At this point, now that they were in the Holy Land, now that they were in the Promised Land, they forgot about God, and now we have the time of the judges. And there's many examples over and over again where God is faithful. He will let the children of Israel decide. He will give them the consequences of their decision. And then when they cry out to Him, He will save them. So let's go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1-7. through 7. And if you're, if you're like me and you identify very much with the children of Israel, you will identify with this first sentence. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. I don't know who Ehud is, but I do know this, that in my life I know that God is faithful, but yet I keep forgetting and I keep making mistakes But I also know that God is gracious, He is merciful, and He is kind, and when I ask for forgiveness, He gives it every time. So um, verse 2, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who ruled in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in uh, Heresheth, Hagorim, that's a hard one, because he had nine hundred chariots fitted with iron and cruelly oppressed the Israelites' For 20 years. And they cried to the Lord for help. Ding! What were were you waiting for? Why did you wait 20 years to cry out for help? Thank you. All right, now see what God can do, right? Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. So she held a court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their dispute settled. She settled for Barak the son of Abinoam who, uh, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Now God's saying this. I want you to go up to Mount Tabor because I'm going to deliver these bad guys into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Okay, so let's continue on. Um, Let's go ahead and hop over to 23, verse 23. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. You know, oftentimes when, when things are going good in our life, we start to say, wow, man, I've done a great job in that area. I've done an awesome job in that area. And then isn't it funny how it seems like something comes along and humbles us? Right, Because of our arrogance, we take credit for what God is doing. But yet, when we acknowledge our mistakes, when we acknowledge how we've blown it, God is right there. Ding! I've been waiting for you to ask for help. Amen on that. Um, So, in Judges, we also can look at the book, um, uh, chapter 6. We're not going to read all of this, but you got Gideon. Gideon was a chicken. Gideon was not a brave man. Gideon definitely liked to let other people fight his battles for him. Gideon is an awesome example of how God is faithful. He took a chicken and turned him into a mighty warrior for God. Okay, That's chapter 6 of Gideon. Uh, and then, of course, when we get to ver- um, chapters 13-16, through 16, we hear about Samson. So if God can use a chicken, then he can definitely use me. Because there's times when I get nervous too. But God is faithful. He brings us through. How about somebody who is totally unworthy of their skill set? Have you ever met someone like that? From the day they were born, they could bounce a basketball and do do a slam dunk. From the day they were born, and here you are taking shot after shot, missed that one, missed that one, missed that one. Well, Samson is a great example of somebody who had a skill set that God gave him. He didn't deserve it. What a turkey. This guy did everything the opposite of what God told him to do, but yet God used him to save Israel. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. Good golly, Samson. I mean, he's like, I want you to marry ladies that are Israelites. Okay, I'm going to choose somebody else. All right, now I want you to, you know, I mean, I don't want you to touch anything unclean or dead. Okay, I'm going to grab some honey out of a lion and eat, out, eat it. Everything he did was wrong. So take, um, take heart if you feel like that's you and me. If I blow it over and over again, take heart. Because where did the source of strength for Samson lie? In God. Absolutely. In God. So now let's move forward to Ruth. Love the book of Ruth. Great book. We're going to read um, the story of Ruth. is that Ruth moved to the country of Moab. Her husband died. Her sons died. But Ruth was faithful. I'm sorry, Naomi. Yeah, Ruth was faithful. And this is the Scripture verse that I wanted to share with you this morning out of Ruth. Chapter um, 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Which proves to me that God is faithful not only to the Israelites, but He fulfills His promise, which He said to Abraham, that through your seed all nations will be blessed. Because God is not a respecter of persons. So Ruth got to be a part of the promised land as well. And keep in mind... That Ruth married a guy named Boaz, and Boaz had a son named Obed, and Obed had a son named Jesse, and because of that blessing that God put together, we had King David. So this Ruth is the great-great-great-grandma of King David. That is pretty awesome, and that's how God keeps His promises. He is definitely faithful. So now, let's get into King David. We're going to hop into First uh, Samuel chapter 5. Um, you um, You can read about how the people of Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be just like every other country out there. They got a king. We want to have a king. Now, in the past, every time they needed to fight, God said, I will deliver them into your hands. Who did the fighting? Well, God did the fighting, but the people had to participate, didn't they? Now, they want somebody else to do it for them. I want the government to do it for me. I want the government to raise an army, and I want the government to to fight for me. And that's the challenge that we see, right? Um, So they weren't willing to trust in God, and they weren't willing to take that risk, and they wanted a king. So here we are. We want a king. And so, of course, uh, uh, God had shared with them what's going to happen If you get a king, if you get a king, he's going to tax you. Okay. He's going to take away your young sons and he's going to train them in the army. He's going to take away your young daughters and have him serve him at his palace. Okay. And then, of course, here we pick this up, chapter five, verses one through four. Now, here's the weird thing that happens. Okay. The king decides we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to have it go in front of us into battle which is really dumb because God didn't call him to do that. And as a result, it falls into the hands of the Philistines. Now, God is no respecter of person. So he told the Israelites, don't be touching the Ark of the Covenant because if you do, you're going to die. So what do the Philistines do? Touchy, touchy, <clears throat> they die too. Okay. There's this huge plague that spreads throughout the Philistines where they all get these huge boils and uh, Nora, in case you don't know what a boil is, it's like a zit except bigger. It's really gross. It's disgusting, right? Boils, and it's painful, right? So they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they're like, we won against the Israelites. Let's put it in our, in our, in our temple for Dagon, the god. So they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they put it in to, the, to this temple. And here's what goes down, because uh, God is faithful. Chapter 5, verse 1. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord, who knocked over our God, right? They took Dagon and they put him back up in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off, and they were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. So even dumb idols worship God and the things that represent God, because God is faithful. Now there's some symbols in there. Your hands and your feet are symbols of what you do and where you go. Right, so not only did God humble and humiliate a false god Dagon, but He also made it so He couldn't do anything or go anywhere. Right, God is proving to us that He is faithful. I love that. That is awesome. Uh, in in First Samuel, uh, now we go ahead and go to chapter eight. We're not going to read everything there is, but here is where in chapter eight they wish for a king. So you can read that for yourself. The people long for a king, uh, and of course. Um, God is talking to Samuel, and He says, "Now don't cry, Samuel, because Samuel was broken hearted. Don't cry, Samuel. It's not you they've rejected; they've rejected me as their king, right? And now let's go ahead and move forward to um, 1 Samuel chapter sixteen, and let's learn about David. Once again, God is faithful. He's the one who moves through time and changes history." To make it the way he wants it. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, meaning the other brother. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God chose a king for Israel that was of his heart and of his mind. Not necessarily the way he looks. Like we remember that Saul, King Saul, was chosen because he was really tall and he was really big and really exciting, you know, and he was there to pump you up, right? Um, But David was different, right? Now let's go to chapter 17 and we're going to read verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. This is exactly why God chose David, because he knew that God was faithful and would always make sure that he was safe. And and it did. It did happen over and over again. So let's go ahead and and move forward um, to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2nd Samuel 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 8 through 16 This is God talking through his prophet Verse 8 says Now then tell my servant David this is what the Lord Almighty says I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and I appointed you ruler over my people Israel I have been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off all your enemies from before you Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth and I will provide a place for my people Israel and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to secede you and your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. So physically, who's he talking about? Who is the next guy after King David? Solomon. But who is he spiritually talking about? jesus christ absolutely jesus christ did what no human could do he established the throne of david forever and ever that's the messiahship right so now let's go to chapter 22 king david is old he's singing a song of praise to god Um, you can read all of it all of it is amazing it is amazing amazing but i just really wanted to focus in on verse 31 So um, 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. And oh, by the way, we don't have time this morning to get into the Psalms. We don't have time this morning to get into Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So many things that show the faithfulness of God. But as for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock Except our God. There is none. Amazing. All through his life. Now, uh, when we get into the book of 1 Kings, let's go ahead and take a look at chapter 8. So, 1 Kings is talking about what goes on after David. Okay. 1 Kings, um, I'm sorry. Yes, 1 Kings chapter 8. I lost my place in my notes. I apologize. Verse 46. When, and this is actually um, this is the, the prayer of, the, of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. So now God is the one who gives the Spirit of, of God to other people, and without even knowing, they prophesy. They tell the future. They don't even know. And of course, Solomon, who got his wisdom from God, is going to predict what goes on in Israel. So it says, When they sin against you, For there is no one who does not sin. And you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies, who take them captive to their own lands, far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive and pray to you toward the land you've given their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, and then from heaven, your dwelling place, you will hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all their offenses they have committed against you and cause their captors to show them mercy. Wow. And it's exactly what happened, as we will see in a few minutes. But let's take this, which is Old Testament, knowing that God is faithful, knowing that God doesn't change, knowing that Jesus died for our sin, let's take this Scripture verse today and take it to heart. If I have sinned, and who hasn't sinned? If I, in my struggles, in my, the consequences of my sin, will remember God and turn from my sin and turn to Him, He will do what? He will rescue me. He will bring me out of that land and back into the promised land. That is a true statement. You can take it to the bank. As long as you got breath in your lungs... There's always hope for salvation in Christ. Amen. So, um, Second Kings chapters 17 through 20. Let's talk about Elijah. God is faithful to Elijah. He had Elijah say what was going to happen, and God did it. It's not going to rain. All of a sudden, it rains. Okay. And then in in uh, for Second Kings chapter 25. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Um, 2 Kings chapters 1-8, through we have Elijah's uh, successor, Elisha. How many times did God bless Israel through Elisha? Elisha told, prophesied, and it came to pass. Um, I seem to recall the story about Elisha also, about the kids who were picking on him, calling him baldy, baldy, baldy. And he had bear come out of the woods and eat him up. That's kind of a weird story. But I told that story to some of my middle schoolers, and they haven't picked on me since. I don't know why. (laughs) All right. So chapter 25 in 2 Kings. So flop forward. Chapter um, 25 in 2 Kings says what happens to the children of Israel. Because they, as a collective people, refuse to return to God. So in verse 1, I'll just read a little bit of it. Now Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, so in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. He encamped around the city, and he built siege works around it. The city was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. When we refuse to listen to God, when we refuse to do what God has called us to do, an enemy will come and surround us. And unfortunately for the children of Israel, they were hauled off into exile, and it was a horrible, terrible, rotten, no good trip. In case you're curious as to how far away that is, to go from Jerusalem to Babylon, it's very comparable, like from going from here to Disneyland on foot, okay? It is a huge trip, and they were very, very sorry for what they have done. Let's go ahead and move forward to the book of Ezra, because God is faithful, so you got to go all the way through um, um, Psalms, Lamentations. Let's get to Ezra. I think it's past or before. We'll find it here. I should have used a bookmark, shouldn't I? have? Ecclesiastes. Oh, boy. Song of Psalms. Which, by the way, song—the song of, of so- Psalms, Solomon, Song of Songs—is great. It is a great love story between God, and I'm having a hard time finding Ezra. So we're just going to go ahead and uh, chapters one through four. Chapter one, verses one through four. God fulfilled all of His promises. He turned the heart of the king toward the people of Israel, and He caused them to be blessed. He allowed them to return to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the temple. Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. God is good, his faithful love endures forever. That is well. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 32 through 33. Nehemiah shares that God, you alone have remained faithful. You alone have remained faithful. Then we get to the book of Esther, chapter 4. Verses 12 through 14. God uses Esther to save the Jewish people who are still back in the Babylonian area. Era. Area was conquered by the Medes and the Persians and King Darius. Then we had Xerxes, a relative of Darius. Um, he listened to Haman. Haman came up with some goofy plan to kill all the Jewish people. But it was Esther who uh, had her, her um, uncle Mordecai share to her, perhaps. You've been placed in this place at this time for this very purpose, to share with the king. So God was faithful and He used Esther. So with all of that said, we've gone from entering into the Holy Land, to being kicked out of the Holy Land, to being allowed by God to return to the Holy Land, and through all of that, God has proven that He is faithful. Now this one I can find for sure, for sure. Let's turn to Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 39. Because this is the summary. I don't have to give you the summary of what we talked about because the author of Hebrews is going to do it for us. By faith... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. ...than all of the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking forward to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered, because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea and on dry land... But when the Egyptians tried to do it, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to read about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut up the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Ladies received back their dead, Raised to life again, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an ever better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two. That's gross. They went in about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had been planning something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Here's the takeaway. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run this race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, You have showed us over and over again that You are faithful. You have put us on the path. You turned us in the right direction. You told us to go, and we wander off. You find us when we call out to you and you put us on the path. You set us in the right direction and you lead us where we need to go and we wander off. Lord Jesus, please today continue to set us on your path. Help us to make America realize that it is only through you that we can be America that we've known in the past. It is only through you, Lord Jesus, that we can be a nation that glorifies you. Pray for Josephine County, Lord. Please, Lord God, put us on the path, help us to be faithful, because it's only through you that that our county, our community, can glorify you and do what is right. Help us as citizens of your new kingdom, Lord, to follow you in everything you ask us to do, because only then... Can people see what it is You want us to do? And they could also do the same thing. We love You and thank You for this privilege. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.